excited for the opportunity to bring the word this morning, and I appreciate Daniel allowing me to do that. And, uh, you know, this is a message that I've actually had in my heart for, for several months now that I wanted to do, and I've had some opportunities to preach uh, in that time frame, and it just never felt like it's just not the right time, it's not the right time. Um, and then as soon as Daniel asked me to, to, to preach on this particular date, I said, okay, that's it, that's it. And so I know right now, uh, coming off of the July 4th holidays, um, we got freedom on the brain. We got freedom on our minds. And so, you know, I am thankful this morning to uh, live in America, to be an American. Um, I think it's a blessing that, that, you know, that we get to be in a nation that is known for its freedom. We are the land of the free because of the brave. And our freedom is a source of patriotism and pride. And I say that because I want you to understand I love our nation, but it can, our love of our nation can become an idol. And it can become skewed and it can actually cause problems. Now, this is not an anti-American sermon. It's actually the opposite. I love America. But... Um, I want us to be cautious and understand that our freedom is not because we're Americans. Our freedom is not even because of the great, great men and women who have sacrificed for our country. That's why we have national freedom, but we can have true freedom through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. And you see, this problem of taking pride in our freedom is not a new thing. We see in the Bible that the Jews also took great pride in their heritage. And if you are familiar with many scriptures at all, you'll find that their pride in their heritage actually was a major stumbling block for them and a major hindrance from them coming to know Christ. So we're going to read today. We're going to start in John chapter 8. And we're going to actually bounce around scripture quite a bit. Uh, As I say, basically every time I preach, the more of God's word that we utilize, and the less of Dusty's words that we utilize, the better the sermon will be. So uh, if, you, if you turn with me to John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 31, and we're going to see uh, exactly what I've been talking about here. So John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and we'll just let you, we'll let you stay seated this morning as long as you'll be reverent in your heart. John chapter 8, 31. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are, we are Abraham's seed. We have never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father." They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Let's pray. 
Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the truth of your word, God. I pray that, that your spirit will do a mighty work, God, here this morning. and God, in homes uh, that are watching and, God, in churches across uh, this country and this world, Lord, I pray that your spirit will move mightily, draw men and women, boys and girls to yourself. And God, I pray that today will be the day of salvation, God. I pray you'll hide me behind your cross and nothing I say will be... Uh, be my own, God, but I pray that it will all be yours. And we just thank you for loving us. God, we do thank you for the privilege of being born uh, in, in such a great country and, and for being a citizen of such a great country. And Lord, I pray that, God, our country will once again turn to you wholeheartedly uh, and be a nation under God. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we see the, um, the Jews are saying, you know, when Jesus says, if you come to me, I will make you free. And they say, well, we're the seed of Abraham. We've never been servants to anyone. We are free. What are you talking about? And I think it's not hard to imagine the parallel between that and Americans. Well, we're Americans. We're the greatest nation in the world. What do you mean we will be made free? We are free. That is, that is the American way. The problem is I know way too many Americans that are not free. They're free in the sense that they can come and go, and, and they can do pretty much as they please, but sometimes way too much as they please. But they're not living in freedom, because freedom can only come through Christ. And Jesus tells them here, he says, don't you know that, that when you sin, you become the servant of sin? You are the slave of sin. Listen, for the lost person... They are the slaves of sin. It's just point blank at all. We get frustrated when people live in sin, but the truth is that they don't have a lot of choice. They are sinners who don't have the power to overcome it because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, believers, very different. We have the power through Jesus Christ to overcome sin. At that point, listen, church, this is... This is hurtful. It's hurtful to me. Okay? When I sin, as a believer, it's a choice. You can call it what you want. It's heritage. It's just what my family is. It's the way I've been raised. No. Let's call sin, sin. It's a choice. As a believer in Jesus Christ, when I sin, it's because I chose my sin rather than Jesus. That's uncomfortable. Maybe it's just uncomfortable for me because I realize that I still sin. And it's a choice. But these people took so much pride in their heritage. They took so much pride in the fact that they were Abraham's seed. They were good and faithful, bapt, I mean Jews. That was a purposeful slip. Can you have one of those? They were good and righteous and holy, and they'd been raised in church, and their parents were there, and they were, they've been there since the, the day they were born. Their baby dedication was a thing of beauty, and they've been baptized, and they've just, man, they are super saved. Only they're not. Because they are depending on their religion, or their heritage, or their family, or their nation to be their substitute for God. Listen, church, I believe this with all my heart, and this will be maybe, I love to make controversial statements because I love to watch my wife squirm. But I believe 
that the life of a Christian will always be marked by service. It, will always, it is impossible to be saved and not serve. Now, now don't get twisted here. Let's, let's, I want to break this down a little bit more. I don't think that means holding a position within the church. I don't think that means showing up and doing stuff at church. And you say, well, that's how you serve, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's part of service. But service has to begin with the heart. Service has to begin with a purpose. I can come and work at church week after week and day after day and not be serving God. I believe that salvation is always marked by service of the Lord. Now, I can't tell you whether you're serving God or not. Because I believe that in churches across America this morning, mm, Dusty, don't do it. I'm going to. I believe in churches across America this morning, there are people who are on stages just like this who are lost. Some of them are preaching. Some of them are leading worship. Some of them may not be on the stage, but they may be on the safe team. Or they may be uh, you know, in a normal week, a Sunday school teacher or a nursery worker. They may come to Awanas and herd the kids from place to place. And yet, they're not serving God, they're serving themselves. It makes them feel good. It makes them feel better. I'm a good person. Listen, lost people can be nice people. Can't be good people, because even saved people can't be good people. According to the Word of God. At least our goodness is not good when you compare it to Jesus. But there are people across America who are doing jobs in the church while they hide from God. They're hiding from God in their position in the church. In their pew, they're hiding from God. They, they, they come to church and they can't wait for it to be over so that their duty to the Lord can be done. Well, listen, if that is our hearts, bless our hearts. And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that it is those people that greatly harm our ability to minister in our communities. I believe there are two types of people that greatly harm us. Those who are lost, and yet they hold elevation in the church. People associate them with your church because they go to church because that's the good thing to do. That's what my grandma did. That's what my grandpa did. That's what my parents did. I'm going to go to church. I'm a good member. And then people say, well, that person goes to that church and they live like this. Why would I care what they have to say, what that church has to say? But I don't think they're the most harmful ones. Lost people living like saved people, coming to church trying to pretend they're harmful. But I think even more harmful are Christians who don't walk in their freedom. We'll get to them in a minute. But I just didn't want you to think I was leaving you out if that's you sometimes. That's all of us sometimes, I think. Okay, So here we see that they said... We have freedom because we are Abraham's seed. And many Americans say we have freedom because we are American. But the truth is, freedom. Freedom comes through Jesus. And as people of God, we should be marked by servants and we should not be overcome with sin. And notice I didn't say we shouldn't, we won't ever sin. I don't believe that. I think we shouldn't. I think we should try not to. But the truth is, we will. And you say, well, Dusty, how do we know? See, I think God wants us to know whether we're saved or not. I really do. I think there's a lot of confusion. And I think sometimes we muddy the waters. 
I want to make, the, I want to make it clear. I, I believe that Jesus wants us to not only be saved, but he wants us to know we're saved so that we can be effective in Christ. And here's what he did so that we can know. He sent us his spirit to indwell us. And, and I believe that when you are a Christian, you have that spirit leading you and guiding you and communing with you. And you say, well, Dusty, have you ever heard his voice? Well, I, I haven't audibly ever heard the voice of God, but I have no doubt heard God tell me to do things, felt God lead me certain ways. I think one of the ways we can know whether we're truly saved is, are you comfortable with your sin? See, I believe that it is okay for a Christian to struggle with sin. I believe it's not okay when they stop struggling with it. See, we should not be overcome by sin. We should not be comfortable in our sin. If we get to a place where our sin no longer bothers us, then one of two things is true. We are either lost... Or we are so far backslidden that we have completely lost touch with what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to do. And see, we can do that. The, uh, the Bible is clear. It tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to, to burden the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But our iniquities, our sins have separated between us and our God. And our sins have hid his face from us that he will not hear. I think that a person can be genuinely saved and get so far from God that they no longer can hear his voice. Now, I also believe that at the moment of repentance that God restores that fellowship. We don't restore it. We can't. God saved us. God keeps us saved. And God restores us when we're broken. I believe that adamantly, passionately. Let's look on over. Let's look at another, at another place here in Romans chapter 6 where we're going to see a lot of the, a lot of the same points made in a, in a slightly different way. And then we're going to get, get to, to some more stuff. This is, I, I think it's good. I can't tell if you do or not. That's all right. Uh, trying to think. Somebody told me the other day they would be uh, George. George. Creek told me he would be amen to me from home. So, George, I need you, all right? Uh, speak up. All right, Romans 6, 14 says, Sin shall have no dominion over you, shall not be your ruler, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members Unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now shamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, you have become servant to God. You have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, 
Guys, I think that this is, this is good news. This is good stuff. This is hard truth, though. It tells us that all of us have some freedoms, and all of us have some bondages. Okay, Either we are bound up in sin, and we are free from the things of God, or we can be bound up in the things of God and free from sin. None of us have the freedoms that we want. Listen, I've talked to a lot of people over, over the years who, oh man, Christianity, that's a crutch. Church is a crutch. That's for the weak. That's for people who can't do it on their own. That's for, you know, if you want to be bound up by rules and regulations, then you go be a, a, a Christian and a Baptist and a church member. And I'm telling you, the, the truth is that none of us are truly free. And you say, well, Dusty, you just said that the Word would make us free. How can you say now that we're free? Because listen, because being bound by the things of God, by being bound in my spirit to the things of God, it is freedom. Because it's no longer me that I'm depending on, it's God. And that gives us freedom. When you don't have to worry about mistakes, and you don't have to worry about tripping, and you don't have to worry about, now that, does that mean mistakes don't come? I mean, I forgot my microphone this morning. Mistakes definitely happen. But it means I don't have to worry about it. Because I'm living in Him, through Him, and for Him, and I know that He will turn all things to good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's the Word of God. So I have freedom even though I'm bound by the things of God. Listen, I no longer can go and do and think and act any old way that I want. And yet that's, that's freedom. That's freedom. But everybody is a slave to something. Either, listen, uncomfortable truth, either you are a slave to sin or you're a slave to God. I want you to look back at verse 20 real quick. Romans 6 verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Listen, church. Salvation doesn't just happen. Salvation is a moment of time where I decide, I choose. The Holy Spirit is drawing me, calling me, and I hitch my wagon to Jesus. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen by just showing up at church. Because there was a point in my life that I was free from righteousness. I had no pressure to live righteously because I was lost. I was lost. But now I'm saved. And now, guess what? I used to be free from the pressures of living righteously. Now I'm no longer free. I don't get a choice anymore. Because when people look at me, when people look at you, Christian, they are getting their picture of who Jesus is supposed to be. Are we giving them the picture of somebody worth following? Someone worth giving their life. Boy, we talk about, oh, man, we love Jesus. He's worth, he's worth living for. He's worth dying for. But he's not worth telling someone about him for. Oh, I'd give my life for Jesus. What are, you, what are we really talking about? We're not willing to put ourselves out there. We're not willing to, to lose uh, respect or lose a friend or lose whatever all too often. And Jesus said, once you were free, 
You were bound up by sin, but you were free from righteousness. Now if you're saved, then you are no longer bound by sin, but you are bound by righteousness. So listen, if today you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe when I say, look, when you, when you go from death to life, when you go from, from lostness to saveness, you're really being, becoming a slave to Jesus, maybe that's not real appealing. Dusty, I don't think you're going to catch a lot of people like that. Listen, if you want to be bound up, come to Jesus. Praise God. If I'm going to be bound by something, it might as well be by Jesus, right? I'm either going to be bound by sin or I'm going to be bound by Jesus. I'm going to choose to be bound by Jesus. I don't want a choice anymore. Because guess what? When I have a choice, I usually pick the wrong thing. I don't want to be bound up by sin. I want to be bound up by Christ. If you're not saved today, I want you to be. You can wave me down and we'll go out right now. Or you can call Daniel. I'm sure wherever he's at, he'll take a phone call. He'd love to talk to you about how to be saved. If you're here this morning, there are folks here that would talk to you. Whatever you need to do. We're going to shift gears for just a few minutes here, though. What about... Those who are saved. A lot of what I've said so far, I've kind of, I just can't, can't get away from it. You know, I want, I want lost people to hear this message. I want lost people to be saved because God deserves that. But let's look, let's look at a guy whose life was drastically changed and let's look at how it affected him and how it didn't affect him. So I'm going to take actually a story, a very familiar story for many of us. You can find it in Mark chapter 5. You can find it in Luke chapter 8, and you can find it in Matthew chapter 8. And since it's in all three places, instead of reading it three different times, I'm going to do what my wife maybe likes the least of all the things I do when I preach. We're going to have a little bit of story time. So I'm just going to break it down for you. I'm going to tell you kind of the highlights, but I encourage you to go back and read it for yourself in one or all three, uh, all three of the Gospels listed. It's not in John, uh, but it is in the, in the other three. Okay, this is a story of a... Of, the madman of the Gadarenes, um, he was a demon-possessed man. And Jesus came to the country of the Gadarenes. As soon as the ship landed, he was met by a demon-possessed man. Here are some details of the way this demon-possessed man was living. This is what the Bible tells us. Okay? Um, he, told him, he said that his name was Legion because he was many demons. Many demons living, living in this man. Um, this man was homeless. He lived among the tombs. That's an interesting fact. He was often bound with chains and fetters, but he broke them each and every time. So he had extraordinary strength. Even when they bound him up, he would break the chains. He was naked. He was dirty, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe he was probably smelly. He was hairy. He was unkempt. He was... He would constantly run and cry out and yell and scream, and he tormented everyone who passed by. He would cut himself with stones. This guy would make you very uncomfortable to be around. Okay, so as you're walking through, you walk by this cemetery, and all of a sudden this crazy madman, naked guy with bleeding everywhere, and here he runs out and he's yelling and screaming and probably talking gibberish and just doing crazy things, and people didn't even want to pass by there anymore. But sometimes people say, you know what, that guy's a nuisance. Let's go and, and, and get control of him. So they go and they chain him up. 
And he would just break them like they were strings. And he's, he had unworldly power. He was supernatural because he was filled with demons. He was demon-possessed, not by a single demon, but by a legion of demons. He said, our name is Legion, for we are many. I would say it's safe to say that we wouldn't want to be around this guy a whole lot. Probably be a little uncomfortable if he walked through the back door this morning. Okay? And rightfully so. We'd want to protect our, our wives and our children. Nothing wrong with being uncomfortable around people. Sometimes we need to listen to that still small voice when it says something about this person's not quite right. We don't need to put ourselves in bad situations with those people. It doesn't mean we can't love them or pray for them, but it doesn't mean you have to put yourself around them. But Jesus comes on the scene, and like Jesus does, things change when Jesus comes on the scene. Matter of fact, the demon possessed man runs up to him and says, Whoa, 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 whoa. Finally, somebody here more powerful than me. Listen, don't torment us. If you're going to cast us out, cast us into this herd of pigs. So Jesus cast them out. It's pretty cool, unless you're a pig, because the pigs ran down the hill, drowned themselves. Those watching the pigs went to town, told everybody, hey, whoa, something's happening up here. You might want to come see. And when they come, this is amazing. I think we overlook this part of the story sometimes. Man, this is awesome. The townspeople come out to see what's happening with their pigs. And you know what they found? This demon-possessed lunatic that had caused problems for years is clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's good. Listen to me. Some of you have people in your life that are bound up in sin so tight that you've given up on them. Don't. Because one encounter with Jesus, and this man went from being the madman of the Gadarenes to clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Not only that, but let's see what he did. This is another minute detail that often gets left off. When Jesus, the people of the city asked Jesus to leave, you're too powerful for you. I still don't understand that. That's a whole other message for another day. I'll let Daniel handle that one. Okay? But when Jesus gets ready to leave, he goes back and gets on the ship. And what did the madman, the former madman, do? He said, Jesus, let me go with you. I just want to go with you. Wherever you go, Jesus, I'm going with you. And Jesus said, okay, get on the boat. What did Jesus do? He said, listen, if you want to serve me, here's what you do. You go back home. You let everyone see that I have changed you, that you're different. You're no longer the guy you used to be. Let them know it's not a phase, it's not a trend, it's not a, I'm trying to get my life right. I have changed you. And by doing that, they will desire what you have. Well, that's good. I don't know about you, but that's good. That's real good. But it brings me to an interesting dilemma, because this is the way my mind works. Okay? I'm sorry, I apologize in advance, because I'm giving you insight into my mind. But here's what I cannot imagine for the life of me. I cannot imagine a month later, two months later, Jesus rolls back into the Gadarenes. And he walks through the he walks through this cemetery. It's a Thursday. He walks through the cemetery and he's like, man, it's so nice and quiet here. This is great. 
But then the next day, it's Friday night. He's going to go back to his ship, and he goes out there, and there's this crazy, naked, angry, cutting, yelling, and screaming dude. And he looks over, and it's the same guy. And he says, what, what are you doing? He's, man, it's Friday night. You know, I kind of miss that old life every once in a while. So I just, every once in a while, Jesus, I come back out here, and I take my clothes off, and I cut myself, and I yell and scream, because, man, that old life was so fun. I just miss it. Y'all, y'all getting the picture in your mind, and I'm getting, that's, that's real, real dumb. I can't imagine that. And yet, mm, church. It's the 4th of July. It's really not that big a deal. It's once a year. Well, you don't understand. I've been under a lot of stress lately. Yeah, that's why you turn to Jesus. Well, but I don't want my friends to think that I'm too good for them, so sometimes I go hang out. Listen, good luck reaching them with the gospel. If once a year, once a month, once a week, you look just like they do. Because what that says is Jesus is good enough to change me on weekdays. He's good enough to change me on Sunday when I put on my best clothes and I go to church. But really, that madman is still living inside of me. See, that madman got driven out. When Jesus comes on the scene, he runs the money changers out. He don't share. When Jesus came in, he said, all the rest of that is gone. You're not bound up the way you used to be. You're bound up in me, and you're called to be a 24-7 Christian. You say, well, Dusty, I've... Seen you yell at some referees. I know. I know. I'm not saying I have it perfect. I'm saying that my sin bothers me. And it bothers me enough that I think, I hope you've seen progress over the years. And I hope that if you watch me years more, that you'll see more progress because I hope that every day I'm becoming more like Christ. Because I am bound to that goal. I have to strive to be better. If for no other reason, I mean the main reason is because Jesus deserves it, but if for no other reason because I have no effectiveness in Christ if the world doesn't see me different than them. And the world can spot a counterfeit from a mile away. Problem is, we can't sometimes. If Jesus has set us free, then we are supposed to be free indeed. So why do we constantly run back to the old life, to the old ways, to the old sin? Now listen, our sin nature is still there. But we're not bound by it anymore. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2 and we're almost done. 2 Peter chapter 2. We'll read verses 13 through 22. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. All right. Shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. 
They have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. They have forsaken the right way, and they've gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his inquiry. The dumb donkey speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Listen, church, let me tell you something. Mm. Here's what all that says. It says, these people know the truth, and yet they have rejected it. Though they have a sense of religion, though they have a sense of righteousness, it's false. It's self-righteousness. And here's what the Word of God says, and this is, this is the Word of God, and I'm thankful because I wouldn't want to say it. But it says for those people who come to church week after week after week, they know the truth and yet they reject it. It says that they would be better off not to even know the truth because their condemnation is going to be greater because they knew the truth and they chose a life of sin. See, I believe that there are two things here. I believe that number one, if, if you genuinely are saved and you're living in sin, then I believe that you will be punished as a child here on this earth. Now, there is no condemnation. For those who believe, I believe that's true for eternity, but I do believe that God the Father, as His children, will deal with us here when we are living in sin. That's just fact. But I think for those who come week after week, and I believe our churches, you know, Billy Graham said that he believed that up to, I think, 50% of the church was lost, and I think that was, that's outdated. I believe it's probably far more than that now. They come to church week after week because they want some feel-good similitude of spirituality, but they reject the gospel truth. They reject the life-saving, life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And I believe for them, I mean, Jesus himself said that the Pharisees were uh, a brood of vipers because they would cross land and sea to make one proselyte, and when they were done, they were twice the children of hell than they were before they went. That's harsh. I'm glad Jesus said it. But I think that we need to quit picking, or we need, we need to quit trying to serve two masters. We need to pick a side. We need to be true. We need to be authentic. The world has enough people uh, that live like lost people. Now listen, listen, if you're out there today or you're in here today and you're lost, and you say, well, I just don't know if I fit in at that church. I don't want to go because they'll look down on me. Listen, there's a spot for a lost person. There's a spot in my pew any week, any time, 
I don't care if you reek of alcohol. I don't care where you were last night. If you're coming and you're seeking Christ, come sit by me. Church member, I'm not as, I don't feel the same with you. You say, well, Dusty, that's real judge. Listen, it's really not. Because there are days that I wouldn't want to sit by myself. Because I know who I am sometimes. But the reality is, is that I have no problem with lost people acting like lost people. With church, I have a problem with Christians acting like lost people. Even when it's me. That's why we've lost our voice in the world. That's why we can't reach people in our community. That's why people think, well, can't go to that Baptist church. It's stuffy and it's this and this. Listen, Jesus Christ is not stuffy. It's not prudish. It's righteous. And that can make people uncomfortable. But when people are uncomfortable around me because I'm too righteous, it's usually because I'm trying to convince them that I'm perfect and I am not. Trust me, lost friend. (laughs) You'll fit in here just fine. And we will love you. We want you here. Now, my goal is for you eventually to come not reek of alcohol. Not have been somewhere you didn't want to tell me about. Matter of fact, my goal is that someday you'll be saved. But until then, if you're the lost seeking Jesus, come on. We got room for you. But church, let's make sure we can tell the difference of who's on what side. They're welcome. They shouldn't look just like the rest of us throughout the week. Throughout the weekend. I've sweated a lot more than I thought I would. It's been uncomfortable. And I'm okay with that. And I'll tell you why, church, because I love you. I'm okay with it because I love you. I've been in this community for a long time. I I love Danville. Proud to be here. If I have my way, I'll be here for many, many more years. Because I love this community. And I've bought into it. But I've been here as a person who was not a member of this church. And I heard the things that people said. And I believed them. And then I started coming here. And I found out that some of those things were untrue. I found out some of those things were not untrue. If we want to reach our community... We can't say, well, we can't help what other people say about us. Well, yeah, you can. You can live different. You can be about the business. You can care about the ones that no one cares about. Man, the the food program on Wednesday nights has been great. We've made great contacts with people who wouldn't come in here on Sunday. Been able to meet their needs, tell them that we love them, hopefully plant the seeds, and then hopefully when they come here, they're going to feel loved. They're going to feel like they belong. They're going to feel like they can find what they really need here. But we're going to have to do better. Going to have to. Because when I retire from this life into my heavenly home, I hope we have a different, people have a different view. Not so we can feel better about ourselves, but so the name of Jesus will be proclaimed in our community. I, I don't say it because I think we're bad. I say it because I think we can be better. Because I love you, and I love our church, And most importantly, I love Jesus, and I want people to be saved.
I've been all over the place this morning. Let's just break it down like this. Today, if you're lost, get saved. You can, you can forsake sin. You can be bound up in Christ, and there's no greater freedom than being bound in Christ. If you're a Christian and you've went back and you've stripped down and you're hanging out in the tombs, come on out. Jesus is just, he's there. He's waiting for you to come out. So I'm going to pray for you. You can pray where you're at. I'm not having formal altar calls right now, but I'll be around. If you want to talk to me, especially about salvation, please come on. You can make an altar where you're at. I think that's more than acceptable. We're going to just have a moment, time for you to do business with God right where you're at. If you need me, we'll go out. I'll put on my mask, and we'll, we'll do things following CDC guidelines. But let's, let's do business with Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for all you do. I thank you for this church. I thank you for, I thank you for bringing us here. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, uh, God, every single one of us, help us to be about your business out in the community. Pray that we will look different, we will be different, we will act different. Not so that we will get attention, but so that they will know that you have changed us and it will never be the same. God, when, when, when you drove out the demon, you sent him back to his community and said, go do the work, but live in a way where they will see that I have changed you because our change is what will draw others to you. God, help us to live that out. God, I thank you that even in my struggles and even in my sin, that you forgive me. And God, the times I've chosen sin and then I truly turn back to you, you've always been there with open arms. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me to look more like you tomorrow than I do today and every day from here on out. I love you, Jesus. Your precious and holy name. Amen.